You know that walk-up music. I'm not sure why she keeps coming back for at bats, though. Frankly, like we're, we're we're not we're not sufficiently knowledgeable. We don't get to her on time. I I at least ask bad questions most of the time. She joins us, and yet she That's keeps true. coming back for more. That's why we love her. It is our friend Sophia Minard from Bally Sports, Wisconsin, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Sophia, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. I'm uh, great. How are you? So, since I ask such great questions, normally I have one to start with right away because I heard Tausch say something as we were discussing Josh Hader a few moments ago. I know you've been tuned in listening to every single moment of the show because uh, you're so supportive of what we do. Um, he, He said, Haterade, Haterade. And I found myself wondering, Robin Younce, started robin aid to benefit the mac fund you can still buy that lemonade at various grocery stores is there or has there been any discussion of a beverage for josh Hader? and being the creative mind that you are if it hasn't been can you get something started there (laughs) you know that is that is a good idea i'm surprised we haven't um marketed that yet uh like you said with the the Robinade, the Lemonade stand, which they still sell at the stadium too, by the way. Nice. Um, now the only the only beverage that Josh has done is a couple of years ago um, with Miller Brewery. They did uh, it was like a, it was like a beer contest where you know, I think it was Josh Hader and Taylor Williams, who was with the team at the time. They kind of created their own craft beer. Um, and they called it High Heat, which we thought was also a great name. Um, that is a good name. Because Josh, Josh, Josh is extremely humble. So I don't know how he would feel about having a drink named after him. But we all thought the, the High Heat beer was, was a good avenue for him, too. It tastes like disappointment and frustration, which is what all of his <laughs> opponents feel. What, what, what has it been it like to strike out? <laughs> what has it been like to watch him uh, during this stretch? Uh, the scoreless stretch because uh, Tausch loves to say that it was me that wanted to trade him, but it was really Tausch that wanted to trade him and get what you could for him. It's a good thing. They never did that. Yeah. um, Look, I think what he did yesterday of getting two saves in one day, um, you just don't see that. And yet again, it's like something we've never seen Josh do before. And it just feels like honestly, every day we're saying something like that, right? It's, it's another milestone. It's another, you know, historic record. It's another first. For, it's like you. It's really, um, it's really just remarkable um, the consistency that he performs at, and how he just continues to get better every year. Somehow, like it's honestly unfair um, the expectations we now have of him because it's pretty much perfection, and we know that athletes are not perfect. Um, even ones as elite as Josh Hader. But that is, it's just like you, he comes on in the ninth and you just feel like it's, it's automatic. You just feel like the other team has no chance. And, and again, it's just, he has set almost this impossible standard of perfection. And I hope fans don't take it for granted because he is just such a, 
special, unique, like truly one of one. Like, I mean, you talk to any of his teammates about it. You know, Tyron Taylor after the game, I spoke to him on the field. He's like, he is just built different. He is just a different, <laughs> different pitcher. Um, he's just a different kind of athlete. He just has a different mindset. You know, Aaron Ashby said the same thing after the game. Like, he's just one of one. Like, there's just, there's no one else like him that performs at the level that he does. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, we had a note that the last time that a Brewers pitcher had picked up saves in the same day was, was Jim Henderson, who's now the bullpen coach, and that was back in 2013. So it's just it's really special stuff that we're seeing from Josh right now. Sophia, why do you think that is, though? Because there have been lots and lots and lots of other closers, uh, including in Brewers history. You know, I, I think of, you know, the first one I think of is Derek Turnbull, who have these periods of domination, and then it's just so fleeting. And the next thing you know, not only are they no longer dominant, but suddenly they're no longer the closer, and then they're no longer longer in the league um right what right. what is it you know i was watching uh because i love Moneyball with brad pitt the closer that the a's had uh during their 2001 season is really no billy is i believe his name was no he's the, he leaves in free agency that you should watch that movie again it's really good but then like he was out of the league two years later what is it what's different right. about josh Hayden? well i yeah i think you're right i think that's like a good point to make is like the bullpen especially closers right there that's where there typically tends to be the most volatility the most turnover right shorter careers and like Josh has been dominant for five years now. Like he's he's been dominant since he came into the league, and you know we've talked a lot about like how his usage has changed. Like he came up and he was a multi-inning reliever, and then he was then he started getting saved, and then it was multi-inning saves, and then he became sort of a, a quote-unquote more traditional closer, where now it's single-inning saves, and he's available more. And and I think really the root of all of it is all of it is a testament to Josh and his work ethic, um, because. You know, he had to battle some things at the beginning of, like, kind of his body and how his body would recover and how he could make himself available, you know, as often as he could. And he had, he had to learn all of that, you know, at the major league level. And he's really figured some things out that work for him in terms of he is meticulous with his daily routine of, like, he knows exactly what he needs to do in terms of his, you know, his strength, his recovery, um, treatment, you know, all of it. Um, he does everything he possibly can to be ready and be available, you know, almost every day. And, you know, he's added things like Pilates to his off season. And, he's, you know, he's just changed how he works out in the off season and what he does every day to prepare himself. So I think it's just it's a testament to him of, like, figuring all of that out, knowing exactly what he needs to do to be ready. And then he's also kind of changed his arsenal of, you know, when he came up, it was pretty much exclusively fastball. I'm just going to blow 98-99 past you. Good luck. And now it's he's got this insane fastball. Then he has a slider. Then he has a changeup. So it's like he, you're, he's also a closer with three pitches. That he has great command of all of them. Um, so it's just, again, it's like the league has not been able to catch up to him. And that's, I think, the hardest part to do is, like, there's no secrets with what he does, but still, like, you just feel like the hitters have no chance when he's locating like he does. 
All right, Sophie, I'm going to flip the script here a little bit. Uh, you're spent Memorial Day weekend down in Chicago. Is what, what city are you most excited to get to have a three-day road stand at? Um, well, we were just in San Diego. That's always one of my favorite stops. Um, so we, we Go to the zoo? Kind of like right downtown. Do we right hit the, the zoo when we're out there? <laughs> you know what? I've actually never been to the San Diego Zoo. I know that's shameful. But oh, come on. I've actually never... I'm not truthfully. Wow. I'm not really a big zoo person. I know. Okay. I know. It's, All right. I, I should. I should go one year just to check it off because I know it's one of the better zoos in the country. Yeah. But um, it's just not my first choice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy San Diego. You're like right by the water. I mean, Chicago. We come obviously. We come here a lot, so um, it's not really a surprise. But yeah, it's, it's also really like creeping on the road a lot. Just uh, this first half of the schedule. Yeah, it's so, been a long, it's been a long road trip that the crew's on. This is going to be wrapping up, and uh, yesterday was interesting because we've seen some injuries pop up in the starting rotation, and we saw old small, not jumbo, not medium from our trivia. Small came in, and you know, highly touted. What did you guys make of uh, his performance yesterday? Um, you know, it was. I, I think it was overall like it's kind of what a debut is right it was you saw flashes of like what he could be and you know and then then in the third inning um he just ran into trouble like i think the game sped up on him and there were the four walks in there and the the pitch counts one way up 39 pitch inning and you know you just can't you can't leave a young pitcher out there in that situation so i think that's just you know that's Kind of the, the fun part of debuts is like it is such a special day for these players and their families and everyone who's involved to get them to that day. Um, and the reality is, is like it's it's a it's a life changing day. It's an amazing day, but it's also just one day. And you know, Aaron Ashby is probably the best example of that. You know, who pitched Game Two of he also made his debut against the Cubs and he couldn't get out of the first inning. And like last night, he delivered a career night. It's, you know, six innings and it's 12 strikeouts. So it's like, I think with Ethan, we saw the potential and like what got him here of his changeup's really good. His delivery is really funky. He got, you know, a good arsenal of pitches um, and it works. Like for two innings, it works. And, and it, he was locating everything and it felt like he was in control. Um, and again, he just kind of ran into trouble. So I think, I think it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Ethan Small, and I'm sure we will see him, you know, more this season. I'm not sure what role, if he'll stay in the starting rotation um, or maybe they'll use him in the bullpen. You know, I, I'm sure we'll see him later. But I think, you know, you get that first day out of the way and you learn from it, and then, you know, you kind of let these guys see themselves and figure it out as they get more experience. Sophia, Jesse tells me you made the mistake of saying you could stick around for a second segment to discuss fast food, movie sequels, and group text messages. Is that true? Um, I, I kind of see mine. So we would definitely like that a lot. Sophia Miller continues with us next. It's Wildy and Tausch. You're listening to Wildy and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Missed any of the show? Find us on Wisconsin On Demand wherever you get your podcasts. It's free, it's everywhere, and it's for you.
right, Sophia, before we get to the goofiness that we tend to talk about with you when you join us, I did have one more baseball question, and that was about Craig Council and where he is on the verge of the being the winningest manager in Brewers history. My clearest memory of Phil Garner was when I covered spring training one year, and he had gotten food poisoning the night before, and we walked in for the pregame uh, sit-down with the manager, and he had an IV hanging from a metal coat hanger from the ceiling. No, come on in, let's talk. And we all sat and talked with him, and here he is hooked up to an IV. So I hold him in very high regard. Uh, but I also hold Craig in very high regard. When you look at his time, and you've obviously been there for all of it, what has it been like to watch the kind of manager he is and the kind of guy he is as he approaches this landmark? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's surprising to anyone, honestly. Um, I think, you know, you, you heard from, like, his former teammates about he was always kind of that coach on the bench and, He's experienced the game at, at every level, and I feel like he's one of those players that, like, you know, maximized his talent to turn it into this incredible career, right? And, like, added incredible value wherever he went as a player. And, you know, then when he transitioned into the front office, which is when I first started with the Brewers, um, you know, he was in that kind of special assistant to the GM role, and he, you know, kind of knew the organization top to bottom, and then in 2015 when they made the change, it just felt like Craig was, you know, it just was like the easiest transition from, from the Ron Renneke era. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a couple of, um, you know, challenging seasons, I think at, at the start of it, like when he, those first two years and then 2017 is really when they took like the big step forward. It felt like, like, okay, maybe they're closer than what we anticipated. And then obviously 2018 happens and the rest is kind of history. So, look, I think, um, I don't think it's an accident that Craig has been the manager for what I, you have to say has been like the best era of Brewers baseball the last four years, I think. Um, I think he has the respect of all of his players. He's an excellent communicator. I think he manages with like a, a really good balance of like empathy, but also accountability with his players. Like he sets a high standard and they know that, you know, they have to perform. Um, and so I just think he's, it's, it's just not an accident in my opinion. You know, I think he, he makes great in-game decisions. I think off the field, he manages the clubhouse really well. He, I think one thing we hear from players, when they come over to the organization and we hear this a lot, it's just that the message that they get from Craig is like, just be yourself, right? Like we, we've acquired you for a reason. We want you to be you. Um, we want you to be everything that you are. And if you give us the best version of yourself, then you're going to make our team better. And I, I think that resonates with guys. I think they, they like hearing that message. I think it frees them up and then, you know, it leads to great results. So, yeah, it's been it's been amazing to watch, um, and I hope hope he can keep it going. <laughs> it'll be it'll be fun when he when he finally gets the milestone. Sophia, while you've been on this road trip, have you gone to see Top Gun Maverick? We did actually. So we went um, in St. Louis on okay, I'm trying to think days of the week. Saturday night we had a day game, and we went we went Saturday night and. Uh, 
I had a little team viewing there, and oops, we loved it. I, I I gave it a super look, so I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Well, one of us in our group chat has, and uh, his name is uh, Justin Garcia, and he says it's better than the original. Is he right? not say it's better than the original now where it is better obviously is like the production value right like right. The, the flight scenes and the effects so i mean but to me that's apples and oranges right i mean the original movie was made what 30 years ago so i to me that's apples and oranges it's not really comparable um it definitely like enhances the movie experience if you're going to see it in theaters you know all the flight scenes and all of that um but yeah, I mean, the storyline is great. I think it's like a sequel that could kind of stand on its own, too, if there are people out there that have not seen the original. Um, but there's also a lot of, like, nostalgia and playing off of the original storyline for those that love the original. So I think um, it kind of checks a lot of boxes. Um, I, I thought it was really entertaining. I thought it was really good. Um, and our whole group loved it. So, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say I would see it again. It was fun. When would you have seen the original? Because you're too young to have seen it in a theater. Al Minert was not taking you to the movie theater for you, was he? <laughs> um, no, I definitely did not see it in a movie theater. I saw um, it on a VHS tape I, from Blockbuster. I, pro I, I probably did see it on a VHS tape from Blockbuster. I don't remember, honestly, how old I was when I first saw it, but I feel like it's just, you know, one of those movies that you can always catch on, like, a a rerun, right, of, of some random channel. Um, sure. And I, I do I do really like the original, but yeah, I was I was definitely too young for for the original release. All right, and then the other thing we've been debating uh, and, and we've addressed this before with you. Uh, I think we talked about avocado toast the last time you joined us. Um, so Jesse, sitting around the campfire with his cheered friends uh, got into a discussion up north this weekend about if you could only have one fast food item ever what would it be now you eat healthy but I would think that there are cheap days on occasion for you especially when you're on the road Jesse what did you say the McDouble yeah the McDouble was mine it could be a little snack if it's late at night it could be a main course you could get multiple you could just get one to pass the time easy and convenient a lot That's of McDonald's everywhere if I had to go just one that you don't get any other fast food for the rest of your life but you have one item you can always get the McDouble is my choice and I said the cousin's french fries and Tausch said soft serve ice cream from A&W you uh how would you answer this important question those are very specific orders i was gonna go just generic like french fries like just i i would that would be my number one item amen uh, and i i guess i'm not super i didn't realize i had to have like a specific you know location or store in mind but I would just go fries across the board. And it would be it'd be like a one A and one B with fries and chicken tenders. Yeah. Mm. Chicken tenders. Know, that's, that's my sister. Yeah. I was gonna say you two are really in sync food, right? today. We are. We're brother and sister. We are always on the same page. That's Al taught us both well. Um <laughs> How often are you eating fries? Because I have a feeling I'm eating them more frequently than you are. 
try not to eat them frequently. Um, obviously, they are readily avail- available at a ballpark near you. Um, but I try not to do the ballpark diet too often. Um, sometimes it's kind of nice to indulge in, but I really I try not to go that route. All right, Sophia, we've kept you long enough. Uh, I appreciate you siding with me on the French fries and your insights into the Brewers, not necessarily in that order. Thanks, and uh, it'll be great to have you home, sis. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Have a great, great day and great rest of your week. That is Sophia Minner from Bally Sports Wisconsin and the Milwaukee Brewers. Gosh. We will kick. She fell right into, I mean, she agreed with you on everything today. It's almost like that was coordinated. Almost. Or maybe if you'd have chimed in, maybe you could have given your opinion. You would have convinced her otherwise. Well, no, again, I don't know how you can make these uh, assumptions on a movie you have not seen. Like, that's the part. Sophia watched it. She made an educated decision. You haven't. And you're agreeing. So, that's why, what do you want me to argue about that? That you, it's, she has her own beliefs. Great. You're making beliefs on something you don't even know anything about. I am predicting what I will think of the movie. Uh, clearly. Yeah. Uh, we will kick off the 11 o'clock hour full of bliss in two minutes. It's Will D. Tausch.